If you don't listen to the last three minutes of this episode. You're in for a big surprise <laughs> next week. <laughs> when they reached the top of the ridge and saw the river, sand of the game rained up hard and cursed. Bugger. <laughs> God damn it. Welcome. I'm sick. Hello. Uh, we're, we're glad that you've joined us today. It is our first recording in the month of March. Let that sink in. Yeah. Oof. Which means. Which means. One more month till season five. <laughs> yeah. We're just a little over one month away from the start of season five. Watchers has the exact countdown. We've got a full time ticker tape watchers on this. Ooh, now, yeah. how long ago did that counter go up? Uh, I think it's it been around. up for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. No. I think as soon as they announced the premiere date. No. It's got a little bit more excitement to it now, though. Last week, we, we brought to you an episode involving a 10-foot elk, and we considered just a mic drop moment after that, because how do you follow up um, a podcast that involves a creature of that size, beauty, strength, integrity? We decided to push forward. Zach, because in today's Zach and the elk are like OTP. I swear to God, I've never heard you express such affection for any living creature as you have for this imaginary elk. It's like normally you're a very cold and closed off person, but this elk has really opened you <laughs> it's up. It's really brought it out of you. <laughs> I'm glad to be able to share this uh, joy and affection with my with my friends and the rest of you uh, listening to us at home. We're very excited today because Aria and John are joining us. Can I just go out on just on a on a, my own little plank here and say that I'm particularly excited for all of this Sandra Clegane dialogue that we were able to get. It's very exciting. I like how you read that opening uh, line, though. You really seem to have embraced the the reading. Your inner hound. Your 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 inner everybody. I mean, the last (laughs) couple of times you've read passages, it's been it's been pretty good, man. I'm impressed. I'm not going to lie. I think you're taking a page out of Eric's book here. (laughs) Well, if I that I consider that a great compliment. And to those of you who are listening to our chapters on Patreon. may know uh, mm-hmm. may know of what we speak and uh, hope that you're enjoying those because we're enjoying making them. I yeah, look yeah. forward to maybe I, this is a, one of these chapters I'll record. You know, Zach, you were you were singing the elk's praises, and while that creature, that guy, was it Cold Hands, might be riding an elk, Sandor Clegane the Hound rides the Stranger. What a name for your horse! What a damn good name too! Like what an absolute good name that horse does not behave like any other horse Ari has ever seen I like too how this is coming right after the Samuel chapter where he's he's singing the song to Gilly and she's like there's no line about the stranger and he's like oh we uh, don't sing about yep. the stranger yep. and then uh, you immediately find out that Sandor Clegane's horse is named stranger and it's just like <laughs> yeah horse he's so metal he's so metal Eric you were not a stranger this week if I'm correct uh, I don't know the exact day but you you visited the Rave of Thrones in Chicago. Yes, I did. And met a few Game of Thrones listeners while wearing your All Men Must Drink shirt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good old good old Will. We met, uh, a guy came up to me, and I, I don't know, he didn't see this shirt because it was covered in my jacket at first. I showed it to him, and of course he was blown away. Everybody wants that shirt. But uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I got a lot of good feedback from, uh, from Will, uh, who is currently vacationing in Costa Rica. He mm. was actually, he had to leave right after... Uh, Christian set to get on a plane, which is pretty baller, if you ask me, to to go to this this rave at this club in the middle of the city and then find your way out of the city to get to the airport. But he did it, and uh, Will uh, listens to this show. So, hey, Will, shout out to you, buddy. And uh, it was a pleasure meeting uh, you just the other night, Thursday, Thursday night into Friday. So hopefully your toes are in the sand and you're listening to this new episode in yeah. Costa Rica. Warm and enjoyable. It's a heck of a week for getaway, too. I think it's like, you know, 20s and overcast all week this week. Beautiful weather. <laughs> it's snowing here right now. I'm going to a convention in Boston this coming weekend, which is great because I heard that tonight Boston's supposed to get another six inches of snow. I hear that that snow is valuable, Kate. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do you? <laughs> There's an online service selling uh, compressed snow from the uh, from this legendary eastern uh, blizzard. Really? And I think, yeah, yeah. So maybe you can get it on a little bit. Of that. Bottle oh, it nice. up. I could yeah. Just bring some dry ice with you. At least we don't have to afford any raging tridents to get there, though. There was a line in this that reminded me how we introduced the show last week. Oh, sorry, strike. Quit destroying that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. There was a line that reminded us uh, of how we introduced the show last week, and we all we said our names, and it was cute. Uh-huh. But um, there's a rule on this episode. We can't say the M-word, um, and this is a line directly from Sandor Clegane. I'll read it directly from the book. He says, the next time you say that name, I'll beat you so bad you'd wish I'd kill you. So we can't say 
the M word, a.k.a. the butcher's boy, a.k.a. my good friend. We can just say it once, right? Mike Tannenbaum. You know what, though? We'll just say it how Will says it. And this is super funny story to tell you guys real quick that Will actually referred multiple times to Micah as Mika. (laughs) (laughs) And this is something where, honestly, and I didn't ask him because it was too loud and the music was thumping and the lights were everywhere and there was fog. But uh, I wanted to know how that was possible because I can understand if you only saw Micah's name in print all the time. Uh, but I feel like when we're referring to him in the show, we call him by name a lot. Oh, Micah, that was a great point. Or, hey, Micah, that's, you know, good looking out there, uh, whatever, Micah. But, uh, it's so funny to know that some of our <laughs> You say that so, all the time. Yeah. So we can, we can call, we don't call him Mika, but, but we'll actually, on several occasions, it's, it's habit to refer to Micah as Mika. So I think we can get around Sandor's little, uh, rule here. Little rule there if we just refer to Micah the way Will does as Mika. Don't do that. I was hoping we could, we could hold up a joke and we could, we could, I was just going to try to convince Eric that that's how you actually say his name, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, William. <laughs> in, in an attempt to bring this back in, um, we will not, we will not. Mika. Approach Micah. Sorry, I just messed up. We will not approach Micah as he sleeps around a campfire and attempt to bludgeon him to death with a large rock that we find, which is what Arya does in the beginning of this chapter. Yeah, they're finally traveling together. We've we've made it here. This is a, a storm of swords. I, we had some conversations over the week, and I think the uniting principle in all these conversations was just quick reminders that guys, this on season that we've set up and we've we've spoken about, and we've been so excited to journey through with one another is coming to an end and we find ourselves in deciduous parts of the book that we had looked forward to for such a long time. And so being in the middle of a chapter like this right now, which is finally the first moments that we, we share with Arya and Sandor Clegane that we've grown to love so much from the adaptation is really exciting. And just knowing what they're doing in this chapter alone, even though it wasn't captured for the show is 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 awesome you had a name for them houndria exactly we call them (laughs) houndria is making the first big move here and that first big move is fording the bloody trident indeed which she she mistakes for uh the blackwater what what does she think it is yeah yeah she's she's convinced that he's taking her back to king's landing she's kind of blinded by her fear and, and all that i mean this is a recurring theme in the books too what you think you know about a person you know, and how they, their capacity to surprise you. Um, I mean, she really, Arya in this role, she's come face to face, though she doesn't know it, with a hard-boiled, badass warrior. I mean, his arm is burned. And unlike every other character, uh, like Jon Snow, who we found whose hand or arm gets burned, they're a whiny little bitch about it, because I'm sure it hurts. Uh, Hound doesn't make a freaking sound, and she catches him, you know, at nights rewrapping his bandages, but he's making no sound, and he doesn't let it show that he is wounded and in pain all this time when they're riding together. And it's really like, I feel like this is the influence she needs um, if she's ever going to be a really true, like, warrior. And that is, you know, it's also another example of how she's not ready because he, of course, is able to thwart her every attempt to kill him. So in a way, she's learning from him. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple times in this chapter where she reflects back on moments where she's either tried to escape or leave clues behind for <laughs> uh, the Brotherhood Without Banners should they come looking for her. She mm-hmm. hopes that Thoros sees her somewhere in his flames when he's looking into them. Right. But the point you raised about you don't really know much about a character or their true intentions uh, on the surface. I think that holds true for the Hound, definitely, and particularly as it relates to Arya, not only in the sense that uh, she is going on a, this journey with him um, where she thinks he's taking her back to King's Landing, but in fact is taking her to the twins, but just the fact that he's not all that different at the end of the day from some of the members of the Brotherhood. You know, he may not be fighting on the side that we all support, but at the same time, is his intentions any different? I mean, he he goes through really what Rob would have to offer for her, what Catelyn would have to offer for her, mm-hmm. and you know how he would be smart to take the Hound into his service. And if he doesn't, oh, who cares? I'll still have my gold to walk away with at the end of the day. And that's no different from... Uh, Thoros is no different from Beric Dondarrion and, and that whole crew. 
Well, I'd say he's better than them. I mean, he's more forgiving for how many death attempts that Arya has made on him. I mean, he basically is just taken to tying her up at night, uh, binding her hands and feet and threatens to gag her if she ever tries, you know, to scream and stuff. And it's just like, that's cool. But he's out to prove something. I think at the bottom line, like, is that the Hound wants to prove that he's a better person than Arya, even in, or than the mountain, even if, um, even in Arya's mind, if it's just that this little girl, like, she's going to come away from this relationship thinking better of him like in spite of everything that she knows and despite her feelings for the poor farmer boy um he's out to prove i mean he brings up that he saved sansa um from having the same fate as lady lalas last stokeworth that was a while ago this chapter aria has uh several moments where she's um i i always like how george writes aria's chapters because they they betray this naivete that is really true to her age where she like the hound is asleep and she picks up a sharp rock and she's going to like beat him with it. Like, come on. It seems like such a great idea to her. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to. And then he's, he's, he just takes it away from her. He's like, you are a dummy, but it Mm. reminds me she's so ferocious and it, it triggered this memory. Everyone's always, always telling Arya how much she resembles Lyanna Stark. And when we hear that story about the tournament at Harrenhal, Lyanna is described as hot-tempered, headstrong, willful, courageous, like all of these things that are very, very much in line with Arya. And she, I think there's a story about how like she would have carried a sword if her dad had let her and Arya's of course got, got needle or, or had needle. So I, I like very much how much she's sort of this like character of Lyanna Stark reborn. And you see that in all of her chapters. She's so fearless. And even when she's tied down at night and afraid to say the names out loud, the names that I know bother Sandor, he doesn't really like it. You notice in this chapter when he was like, and quit saying me in your, in your things at night. <laughs> he was like, he was, he quit, was complaining about quit. some things. And he was like, also that, just leave me off that because you're not going to kill me and it's not going to work. And plus that list is stupid. So she found herself... <laughs> scratching it into the stump she was tethered to uh, and, 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 uh, you know, continuing this hardened approach to her situation. And I think that you guys are right. This is, this is character building one oh one here. She's stuck in a situation like she's been throughout the, the books, but it's very different. This captor, this traveling companion, I guess. I mean, he's, he's binded her to the saddle in a way where she can ride double rather than being tossed over the back, like a grand theft auto video game. Mm. Like she, you know, <laughs> like she's not going to be left on the tracks. There's no train coming and we're not necessarily scared for her, but we are, we are interested. We're curious as to how this is going to affect her. And we're curious as to how the hound, is going to behave. And uh, when we learn that he's taking her to the twins, I feel like as a reader, I was just, okay, well, this is this is going to be a lot quicker than the Brotherhood. And when they needed to afford this large body of water that had drowned so much of Lord Haraway's town, you know, when they were, when they were looking at this problem, I know that traveling to would be so much easier than traveling with the company that they had. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm all heads up. I hope that she makes it back, even though I know what happens. It's still, right. It still feels good. It feels like the Hound is, finally she's understanding the Hound is, is kind of like not all bad. He's not taking mm-hmm. her back to Joffrey and Cersei. He probably hates them as much as she does, and he's much more interested in getting her back to her family because he wants gold and he just wants to like peace out and go kill his brother or whatever but we're seeing it through the eyes of Arya, so there's still so much of that anger and reserve that she has built in for him so we we don't feel any of the relief through her eyes we're just kind of sympathetic as older people reading sort of knowingly like we would to kids in our real world like oh that's not very hard once you get older you'll realize that situation's less of a deal it's kind of what's happening here because we know that he wants the money more than he'd like to be mean to her or hurt her or see her die for that matter so so we're knowingly okay with what's happening. Why is it, do you think, that Micah's name makes the Hound so upset? Is he, yeah, does he regret I, that he did what he did? Uh, I thought I, about that. Yeah, I thought about that too. Speaking as a Micah. Please, you have the authority. Please, Micah, can you give us your insight? <laughs> My name isn't that offensive, is it? I think there is a part of him that really does resent what he had to do, uh, particularly because he had to do it at – the command of Joffrey. And I don't think that he has any sort of respect for Joffrey uh, or Cersei for that matter. Uh, And maybe there is a part of him deep down that can show remorse. And maybe because it's a 
eight or nine year old girl who is kind of making things real for him a little bit as much as he likes to talk about knowing what a true knight is and what's reality and that Ned is no better than he is or I think the fact that you have a girl as young as Arya who is pointing out the fact that he cleaved in half a young kid mm. for really no reason at all it, there's a sticking point there and I'm not sure exactly what it is but it's clear to your point Kate that the mention of this particular killing for him resonates for some reason for me i'm thinking that by this point he was cleared for that murder because he was put on trial for it remember and he survived so like as far as the powers that be the afterlife gods and goddesses are concerned that's over with he doesn't want to hear about it anymore but i don't think he believes in that at all he might not believe in the god or whatever but he's already been put on trial for it and lived like a trial by combat and lived so it's just like stop bringing this up you brought it up it got me into a whole lot of trouble with the the brotherhood still has Um, the wounds he's yeah he still has the wounds that he's tending to because of it the 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 burn he's just tired of her bringing it up she's actually he's allowed her to annoy him and at this point that name is just how she does it because (laughs) he has been cleared or survived. He was put on trial and survived. And that's the bottom line is he doesn't want to ever hear that name again because he basically did his time for it. He paid his price for having done that. And I feel like he has this desire to maybe gain a rapport with Ari or something in the future, or at least, you know, it seems that way by how he doesn't really punish her beyond what is absolutely necessary for her attacks on him and attempted, you know, killings of him. And I feel like it's important for the both of them, or at least to him, that they move on. And he doesn't want to hear that name anymore because, frankly, he thinks that they're both past that point where they sh- where she should be blaming him for that because of what he's doing. He still feels of himself as a like savior, and uh, he feels like he's saving her. And the fact of the matter is the Brotherhood was not going to take her to the twins, as she found out when she ran away. So he is her savior. And she should be a little bit more grateful. No. Well, this is this is convenient. Then they're convenient traveling partners. We talked about how this is shaping uh, lots of who Arya is. Think about how she appears to the Hound. He's traveling, and we know that he knows he's a bit ferocious, and we know that he knows he's not completely bad. He talks about it himself, his situation with Sansa, and I feel mm-hmm. like inside of himself, maybe that's a, a small victory that he's not as bad as his brother, and he knows it. But now he has some things to point to that evidence. And he's he's traveling with someone who's arguably as ferocious or, or could be a, more ferocious than him at her young age. So maybe it's like a little bit of a reality check for him. He's like, you know, wow. I think that's part of it, though, is yeah. that nobody ever really questions him. And the fact that he has a young girl who is really calling him out on everything mm-hmm. gets under his skin a little bit. But he also knows that he can't do anything to her. Like maybe he can take some sort of physical action against her. But at the end of the day, he knows her value. He knows what she's worth. And to him, she's worth a whole hell of a lot more alive than she is dead. And at the end of the day, the hound is just acting in his own best interest. You know, he has nothing else at this point, if you think about it. So it's really in his own best interest to make sure that she safely gets back to her family and that as a result of that he can get gold he can get a title a land something that he can go and live out the rest of his days and not be worried about anybody else there is something else to it though i think a little nuance where he does want to clear his name he wants Arya to know that he saved her sister i wrote down in my notes that this is like the hound and Arya's jamie brienne bathhouse moment where like jamie has to clear his name and she keeps going the kingslayer and after that she's a little bit more respectful I just have that the Hound really makes effort for Arya to know that he is not all that bad. And so for me, that moment was very reminiscent of the Jamie Brand scene. Well, the process of their relationship is certainly beginning. And they approach this two-headed horse fairy, um, which turned out to be a lot more dangerous than I think we all expected. I was yeah. certainly, I certainly a bit, was a bit surprised, and I, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that they were they were crossing the trident. But what I thought would be a simple crossing turned out to be a perilous, perilous journey, mm-hmm. one that they were expected to pay three golden dragons for on the other side. Which, in 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 Sandor's defense, I know how he how he took them at the end, but 
I mean, three golden dragons to cross the river, like he said, that could buy the damn ferry. Mm. And I'm just a little, eh, so I don't feel too bad at this situation. <laughs> I don't know. I love that guy's line. It was like, last year it might have. <laughs> it's like, this This is this year. These are these times. He should have been smarter, though. But I'm mm. sure he was afraid of Sander Clegane. It made me think of the Shadow Temple. What about you, Zach? I mean, let's be honest here. The 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 fairies of evil in that in that place. Like we could reference. Like they just needed a good pair of hover boots, and I think it would have <laughs> would have been very different for them. How about the conversation? I know we talked about Sansa, but um, when he starts to talk about uh, his brother and the comparison between the feelings, the Hound and the Mountain, Arya, Sansa. I don't necessarily think it's on the same level, mm. but. Uh, interesting that the hound starts to make those comparisons i i do think that's that that's interesting and i don't think that he sees he sees Arya's face change when he mentions sansa right he's like yeah you get it yeah. you know how you, it feels to want yeah. to totally mm-hmm. murder a sibling and Arya's like uh I, I don't think it's quite on your level like it's 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 almost infantilizing himself to assume that he and Arya would share the same amount of hatred. He, a grown-ass man, and his brother, truly, truly a monster, and Arya and Sansa, who are children, and who uh, who have natural like sibling rivalries. I, I think he's he's um he's he's sort of teasing her maybe a little bit with this. He's like, yeah, mm. you know, I hate I hate my brother. You hate your sister. Same deal. Yeah. Not the same deal. The wolf wants to kill the pretty bird. Yeah, the wolf bitch. Yeah. Yeah. He calls her that a number of times. But that's just a normal word that is used commonly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it is. For, for a nine-year-old girl. Yeah. But these, these guys who actually managed to safely get them across this raging river at and they lose a guy during the process. I mean, Arya is still trying to escape. I feel like this chapter is her learning that well, at the very end, she learns she doesn't need to escape because she's going exactly where she wants to go to her mom. But um, she is learning that she can't escape. And her last attempt, I think, is, is trying to, to swim. She contemplates swimming while they're on the boat. And there's this raging river. And, and it's right before the tree uh, is is spotted and, and comes towards them. And she's kind of got a, a one hand on the railing. And the ground or the, sorry, the water looked more like soup than water, mm. a soup than a river, but she really wants to swim and is wondering if, you know, Jon Snow's old uh, compliment to her <laughs> swimming like a fish would actually uh, assist her and, and prove to be true. So she's, she's about, I'd say seconds away from jumping um, until, until these guys encounter all that trouble. Well, luckily someone else falls to the river for our story's yeah. sake. And uh, luckily when they make it across, Sandor has a note. Uh, basically, if you guys have ever seen Dumb and Dumber, when, when yep. Lloyd's wearing two pairs of gloves and Harry doesn't have any, and then the case bursts open, there's all the money, and then they later on have a whole bunch of really valuable IOUs. That's essentially what the Hound did at the end of this trip. Yeah, this is and, an IOU. This is good as cash. Yeah, this is, you might want to hold on to this one. This is going to be worth thousands <laughs> yeah. of dragons. And he's like, by the way, if you ever do redeem it, I will be back to collect the difference because there's definitely no reason for you to have that much gold. <laughs> so it was funny, and, and they were able to they were able to get away. And I just think that with the chapters we've had before this and the chapter that we have now, especially not only all of the, the things leading up to this, but just particularly Arya's, there's been so much setup and there's been so much momentum pushing toward now this event, this wedding at the twins. And uh, mm. this chapter has done a really good thing by putting in real deliberate action that's driving the plot forward in one small condensed piece. I feel like just this, I want to call it his, solilo- his soliloquy at the end, just the, the final paragraph, we get so much realism not veiled in game playing, which is something that is not always given to us in this book because the characters that we see and the characters that interact with the characters that we are living the story through usually have a game to play. They usually have some motivations hidden up their sleeve, but he doesn't. He says, right. then I'll take as much gold as I can carry. This is in response to what Rob and his people will do to Sandor once he successfully brings her to the twins. She's basically like, he's not going to work for you, or he's not going to accept you. He won't reward you. And he's like, no, he definitely will reward me. I'll take as much gold as I can carry, laugh in his face and ride off. If he doesn't take me, he'd be wise to kill me, but he won't. 
Too much is father-son, from what I hear. Fine with me. Either way, I win. And so do you, she-wolf. So stop whimpering and snapping at me. I'm sick of it. Keep your mouth shut and do as I tell you. And maybe we'll even be in time for your uncle's bloody wedding. It's just, there it is. That's that's Those are the facts. This is what's happening. And here we go. I wanted to mention, too, I don't know if this means anything. I have a tendency to read into things. But I realized that the hound always refers to Sansa as a little bird. And then Sansa is becoming Peter Faelish's prodigy, and his house sigil is a mockingbird, and it seems like maybe that's some kind of foreshadowing. Like she's she's going to grow up to be like the the lady Peter Baelish, the version, mm. like the the young lady version of him, mocking him, becoming the the bird. And she wears like she it. wears the bird feathers in that last scene where she's all badass looking in season four she's becoming yeah. fully realized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as the songbird yeah. but what song will she sing Ooh. who knows man i want to the reins of castor now <laughs> no you don't <laughs> <laughs> i do I, I thought what uh one other thing kate that you had mentioned there too um at least the direction i thought you were going in is how the chapter ends those last three words not unintentional mm-hmm. by george not unintentional. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> it's like the English way to say right. fucking. Right. Um bloody is definitely the correct adjective right. to describe yeah. the wedding that is about to take place. Oh, we know we know that Sandor doesn't doesn't shy away from the word fucking either, so it was a deliberate choice. That's true. Although he does say instead of fuck the king, he says bugger Joffrey. Maybe Which I guess means the same thing. I think maybe they they upped the f bombs for the show because it's not it's not very like hardcore to be like oh bugger Joffrey. People are like <laughs> no. they're like bugger <gasps> bugger. My goodness. Maybe he's just watching his language around the child. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Plus the way that the actor delivers the the word fuck is just it's just artful. It's just masterful. You're a particular yeah. fan. Yeah. So we go. From one injured rider to another, and oh, yeah. the other nice is Jon Snow. This is a this is a really cool chapter. Not much happens. Both of these chapters are a little bit light, especially compared to the like last ten heavy hitters that we've been talking about. Yeah, um, but mm-hmm. these are this is an important moment. John brings the news of the wildlings to the wall. He tells them that he broke his vows, but because the half-hand told him to, there's a lot of ex- important information being exchanged in this chapter. And he learns that Winterfell's been destroyed and that Theon apparently betrayed the Stark family. And he finds that, that too. very hard to believe. That little piece of information. <laughs> yeah. which I thought, I mean, it's always bothered me. It's like, Theon put the castle to the torch. Wasn't it mostly built out of stone? Like, would that even do much? Wouldn't most of it still be standing? That's always bothered me. Yeah, I've always thought that too. <laughs> yeah, that's always bothered me too. <laughs> Whatever, maybe it's like magical burning stone. Who knows? And we also get the note that Theon is being flayed by the bastard of Bolton. Yes, yes. Which puts for up his new, crimes. It puts Apparently, new, inch by like, inch. Yeah, a whole new twist on on Ramsay's torture of Theon would be that he's actually doing it in revenge as as a as a an avenging of of Brandon Rickon's life, which he thinks that he's taken. I. Never thought of it that way. Exactly, because he's just being a good bannerman. Right. Yeah, he's just being a good Stark bannerman. As a Bolton, he's 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 avenging Winterfell. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we know Ramsay well enough to know that he just takes far too much pleasure in it for it to be like truly selfless act or an act of duty mm-hmm. or whatever. But I, I just always assumed that he was way into torturing Theon for no reason. Um and it, was, it wasn't until we reread this chapter. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I just think that Ramsey's just a sick fuck. In yeah. Oh, he's just out of control. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, they did it in order to pin it on the Greyjoys. I, I don't necessarily know that that was a direct order that came down from his father to burn Winterfell. Uh, it's just like, father, I burned Winterfell. And he's like, all right, pin it on the Greyjoys. He's like, that was going to be our castle, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the seed of the north. He's like, luckily there's so much stone because... <laughs> it's still probably all there. Yeah, what did the you um, think about it being a little bit of a departure from the show in terms of the fact that Sam is obviously not there, despite the picture that I posted on Facebook when I asked for Owens. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, when John returns, he's still out there and presumed dead um, by you know Pip and Gren and 
they think there's a chance he could still be alive, but obviously when John returns in the show, Sam is already there, and John also, in the book, warns Molestown of the wildlings that are approaching, uh, which he doesn't do in the show. So not major departures, but you know, certainly the plot was changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sort of like Paul Revere's ride. Yeah. <laughs> the wildlings are coming. Mm-hmm. They're thins. They're from a particular northern region uh, beyond mm-hmm. the wall. I believe steer means lord in their mm-hmm. language. Like, mm-hmm. That was nice. He's given them a little history there. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. This, this chapter is very um, satisfying because it's always, it's so often in George R. R. Martin's lore that people have the right information to communicate to each other but they just don't or they can't and mm-hmm. so you're so frustrated because it's a reader it's like this dramatic irony you know that something's not true but no one's been able to communicate so the fact that there's this flow of information back and forth between the two of them you're like oh thank god yeah everybody understands this is cathartic payoff and that's sort of mm-hmm. what i felt from the last chapter and i think that these two connect very well i'm glad that they're in the same episode because um that 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 is what's happening like with with the hound being up front with the things that he's saying without an agenda and with so much of this information that we we've known for a long time and we've known that these two parties that we care about haven't shared with one another it's like a release for us that this chapter is literally john riding and he when he stops at molestown he doesn't dilly-dally he he gets a new horse he is uh, there to carry news and to tell everyone to pack up and jump ship to the wall because they're literally coming right now. So the action is building, the momentum is gaining, and it's all happening. That was baller, though, that he got saddled up like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that a thing? He's not even wearing his clothes from the Night's Watch, right? It's mentioned later by, isn't it Dollar Said? Yeah, he's that wearing he was... like a, sheep, a sheepskin cloak instead of his lanolin. Yeah. But he he is warning them that the the wildlings are coming. Also, is it a thing that people could back in olden times just ride up with a, a frothy tired horse and be like, "Give me a fresh mount." Like, okay. It's a bit like the uh, NASCAR pit stop, right? The pit corner where they get new wheels on it in like a matter <laughs> yeah. of seconds. Or people people be like, "Well, your horse is kind of crap, so I'll give you this, <laughs> this kind of crap horse." That like, get, how do you do that in? In a short amount of time, be like, "Oh, this is a really good horse. I'm going to give you my tired, Don't my know. tired old horse." Yeah, I, I assume that uh, Molestown has like a uh, an exchange program or like a rehabilitation horse rehabilitation where <laughs> any member of any center. member of the Night's Watch can just show up and then exchange horses, and then it gets taken yeah, care of. Yeah, they have a, a refurbishment program like GameStop. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for Queen Lasanne's gift, you know, to give us all this space yeah. for our horse grazing pastures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say that that's for John as a character too. I mean, he was running a, a bit of a fever because of his injury, um, and his it's probably infected. But uh, the way he's he's easing in to being a Night's Watchman again, I mean, he's doing the right thing, warning Molestown, but he's kind of reclaiming his identity as uh, a man of a man of the Night's Watch, and that's kind of important. I mean, I know he's he's kind of in various states of of drunkenness or like. He's not all there this whole chapter, but he really does what we see where he really does want to be. And he's able to inform the brothers uh, that he was ordered to join Mance and that that is why he did it. Is it safe to say that he feels a bit strange riding back home after all that he's gone through? Yeah. I feel like it's it's so resolute and rushed because he's in a dangerous position with his injury. It was kind of serious. And obviously Mason Raymond needs to do some work to put it all well. But right now he doesn't have time to waste inside of his mind. However, he's going through another personal battle, something that we've seen him face time and time again, constantly with these parallels to his, his father, can we say Ned Stark? Mm -hmm. And he sees the way that he broke his vows and the way he is returning home as similar to Ned returning home with a bastard to Winterfell after what, he's done betraying his vows with the night's watch with all that he's done not just the situation with egret but all that he's done with the men and he he heads back home wondering inside of his mind if it's all right it's a hard situation yeah. and he, i feel like it, it would have been a bit more dramatic if he had not been facing imminent death from infection and etc mm-hmm. yeah well he's lucky that he has the right welcoming party when he returns you know, between Donald Noy and Maester Eamon, Gren Pip, because think about it, if it was anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, thinking specifically of Thorne, <laughs> who uh, was there when he arrived and 
we know in the show, Bastard. obviously, things are a bit different um, because he's put before uh, a jury, basically, to determine yeah. whether or not he had forsaken his vows and joined the wildlings. Clearly, he's forsaken his vows, but he did it at the direction of Corrin Halfhand, and he did it for the Night's Watch. And now he is he's back at Castle Black, and uh, I like the way that they introduced how Mance Raider is is attacking the wall. Yeah. Well, hopefully John's wound won't fester now that it's been boiled out yeah. with wine and uh, mice are aiming for a blind and bread. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And bread. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you gotta have seed. the bread mm-hmm. with some mustard. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty impressive. And pus. <laughs> Donald Noy's like, this is our sandwich roll <laughs> special. <laughs> this is the Sunday night special for John's return. Uh, they're just going to serve know. it up. But uh, in talking about just the the tactics of somebody like Mance Raider, um, you get it as early on as the conversation between um, Donald and and John, right? Uh, when he asks where the garrison is, and we know we learn later on in the chapter, but we obviously know from having read the book that um, so many were lost at the fist, but the remainder uh, that had had stayed back at the wall. Um, we learned that they've been stationed basically to head off all these different attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harma Dog's head was seen at Woods Watch by the pool, Rattleshirt at Long Barrow, the mm-hmm. Weeper near Icemark, all along the wall. Uh, they're here, they're there, they're everywhere. They're climbing near Queen's Gate, they're hacking at the gates of Greyguard, they're massing against East Watch. But one glimpse of a black cloak and they're gone. Next day they're somewhere else. So, um, you know, John notes that. Mance wants them to spread themselves thin, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's working. Mm. It's such a grand strategy. There are, oh yeah, it's great. There are over a hundred people south of the wall that John is there to warn them about, and only forty men guarding Castle Black. I mean, you do the math. And they're not really men. I mean, they are men, but you know, they're not. They're hardy, yeah. very hardy. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the the stark differences between the book and the show because when John arrives. I feel like the danger is so much more real. Like we're not sitting in front of a jury and deciding to to visit Craster's Keep and take down some defectors. We have on John's tell for all intents and purposes the entire party that he left that could be making its way up now. Like the John is worried as he enters the surgery essentially uh, as he's getting his wound cauterized by Maester Aemon. He worries about the safety of them right at that moment. Like mm-hmm. sentries are being put up on the wall now. Things are moving now. So whereas there's there's a lull and we have to allow for passage of time in the show, right now we're feeling the danger. And right now we're, we're feeling the fact that the numbers are spread out. Right now we're feeling the men that Mance has put along the wall. And all while this is happening, the entire party coming directly to face the wall to light a very large fire. Yes. The biggest fire the North has ever seen. It's, it's yeah. impending doom for them. They're bringing a Balrog. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be awesome. A Morgoth. <laughs> What did you say? The information was able to be communicated that Mance uh, had indeed uh, been searching for the horn and that he apparently had not found it. Um, Meister Eamon kind of pricks up, his ears prick up at, at the, the... We know how old he is, really. We know how special he is. And um, I love that this ancient old artifact gets mentioned and he just kind of like, you know, that's a story, right? <laughs> like it doesn't really, you know, that that is, is only legend. And uh, John's like, yeah, but he was looking for it. And it just shows kind of the Mance will not, um, Mance will try every Avenue to achieve his ends. And, and even dabbling in, in fiction or in legend, I mean, unearthing all of those graves that, get mentioned um looking for this thing it's it's kind of scary to think that it could still be out there because i mean mance in the end is a human he wields it the wall falls everyone's screwed but if somebody worse than mance gets a hold of that what could they do yeah i don't know well it's hard to ignore it after what we've seen so far especially um with the rider and his elk and all of those angry birds right that that <laughs> dignified elk is just like once there's oh, that Jesus. why could you not have a horn that could <laughs> well, take down a whole ice wall th- certainly some doors are open i think that's fair to, fair to be said <laughs> yeah i think so absolutely um uh, someone mentioned earlier that you know john learns about brandon rickon but somebody else he also learns about is the lord commander and the fact that he's dead um, and so at the hand of his own brothers, John is trying to go through his mind, you know, who is going to end up becoming 
the new Lord Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he thinks about uh, Connor Pike and uh, Dennis Malister, who you know both of them have command at the Shadow Tower in Eastwatch. But he also makes note of the fact that the Lord Commander put them at opposite ends of the wall because they don't really get along very well with each other. So one can only imagine if these are the two that are up for this position, how that is going to play itself out. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are high right now. They need a leader. They There's do. No question. They are, they are a house divided. I vote Pip. Pip's going to be the leader. That would be cool. Those grinning ears. It was funny to me though, that um, at least word of Balin Greyjoy has not reached the wall. Right. Because they mentioned that he had crowned himself um king king but yet in the previous few chapters we heard about his untimely demise his fall from grace the bridge well yeah john refuses to believe that bran is dead because he saw a direwolf back at queen's crown and it knew him mm. so he's wondering if there's any way that some part of Bran could have lived on in this wolf, similar to how Orel lived on in his eagle. That's interesting. I mean, once you've been attacked by an eagle with a grudge, you're, you'd mm. be a little bit more willing to believe anything can happen. This reminds me of Spinner's End, checking if the fox is an or not. Like, we might as well kill it anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I follow. <laughs> with John, he just knows something's up, right? It's like all of this information, uh, all of it can't be... 100% true. Some of it is like the the fault of men, the inconsistency. I think the fact that he saw the wolf gives him a lot more peace than the other Stark siblings who are still alive have over the whole matter because he's at least seen a kind of a clue as to what is really the truth. And, you know, of course we know that Bran and Rickon are both alive and well and intact in their human bodies still. Um, but just, I don't know, having seen that wolf and having had it save him, um, John is going to be less distracted by the uh, presumed death of Bran than the mm-hmm. other siblings will be. Um, and he's he's going to be able to uh, focus a little bit better, you know, that won't wear on him so much because I think he I think he knows that uh, Bran is still alive and he does at least in some form, but I think it's kind of for him, it's not as going to be as big of an issue. Now, what about the real end of the chapter? This, this terrible fever dream. We've had a few of these lately. Yeah. I wasn't sure what to make of this one. I thought about it for a little while. Is it in any way foreshadowing Egret's death? Yeah, I can see that. When the dreams took him, he found himself back home once more, splashing in the hot pools beneath a huge white werewood that hit his father's face. It's a big tree. Ygritte was with him, laughing at him, shedding her skins till she was naked as her name day, trying to kiss him, but he couldn't, not with his father watching, of course. Bashful. He was the blood of Winterfell, a man of the Night's Watch. I will not father a bastard, he told her. I will not. I will not. She says, you know nothing, Jon Snow. What a surprise. Her skin dissolves now, her skin dissolving in the hot water, the flesh beneath sloughing off her bones until only skull and skeleton remained and the pool bubbled thick and red. So a little bit of a callback to a previous location and a little bit of a a thought forward. It's a bit like the end of Raiders. Yeah, it kind of is. I wonder if it's some kind of symbolism for John feeling that his loyalty to Winterfell will be result in Egret's demise somehow. Because uh, it does seem like it's it has... And it, he, his dreams are, are naturally of Winterfell. It makes sense because he's just heard the, the news that Winterfell's been destroyed. and right. So his thoughts would be there. Um, but some in some way, um, his, his dedication to his family and his father and his home is going to... Um, to wreck the, I don't know, because it's, it's two different things, both both of which have nothing to do with the Night's Watch. They're both related. You're not allowed to hold lands or father children or know the comforts of a woman. And that's exactly what he's doing in his dream. Is he's, he's back at home and he's not going to sire a bastard, but all of these things are semi-related. So unlike the things that we've seen from Premonition, this is basically something that is happening to John in his mind based out of his fears so we're seeing a good mixture of the the interior monologues of these people through their dreams and just the mechanic of how their dreams are happening their their thoughts are manifested in different ways. Yeah, it might it might not be a prophecy necessarily right. although you know what's what's coming with the greet but 
I think that um, it's it's more of a compilation of John's worst fears at this particular time. And interesting that it's, he's being judged, or at least he believes he's being judged by Ned. You know, sort of the ever watchful gaze mm-hmm. as he, you know, gets close to Ygritte in the in the pool there. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it's coming from how he really feels at that moment. So I agree with that, Kate. I don't I don't necessarily think it's prophetic. I think it's more just he's struggling uh with a lot of emotions and a lot of decisions. Yeah. I think so too. And now I begin my struggle to decide which your own. Yes, which which of these lines in this first chapter uh, receives an own. Mm. Mm. Well, I got one. Let's hear it. I'm going to give it to the hound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair enough. It's basically when he's making fun of his brother. Uh-huh. Um, when he says, my brother caught you? Gregor never knew what he had, did he? He couldn't have, or he would have dragged you back kicking and screaming to King's Landing and dumped you in Cersei's lap. Oh, that's bloody sweet. I'll be sure and tell him that before I <laughs> cut his heart out. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a brother you wanted to kill? She's like, um... My own for Arya chapter goes to the oarsmen, who were very brave crossing the trident, and of course they lost one of their numbers, but, uh... <sighs> They they did a heck of a job. The boatmen of the afterlife. I know we're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to give my own to Arya because she <laughs> is super ferocious, trying to not only attack, she's, again, she's like 10, right? And she picks up a rock. She wants to kill this grown man who's very deadly. And he's like, Large. not not funny. The next time you're going to die. But she's not only that, she's like, Whenever she goes and takes a pee, she's like scratching her name into the trunks of the mm. of the trees, and she's still trying to figure out which side the moss is growing on, so she can determine. She's very fiercely independent, and she's she's trying very hard to do everything within her power. She's not going to go quietly. She's she's not going to sing any songs. She's so she's so fierce, and she deserves the own. And she didn't complain much at the very end of their boat ride when the hound rode away. This receives my own. I thought that his promise of payment and then his subsequent IOU and then his subsequent <laughs> incredibly fast galloping off into the sunset. And he was like, they're not going to chase us. They just lost one of their guys off the boat. And also now the guys that would have been following us to get you back are going to have a lot harder time because I seriously doubt they're going to be willing to take that ferry out anytime soon without a lot of cash. Yeah, so right. we'll, we'll see if it's worth it to them. So nicely done. Strategery from the hound and uh i like his commerce in this situation do what you got to do absolutely now on to john i'm going to give my own to maester aemon for patching john up this guy is what 100 plus Mm -hmm. yep can't see no and yet is still able to move (laughs) with the hands of a hot nurse the deft hands of a surgeon he's doing surgery I have to give my own exactly to the exact same thing. I was yep. I was already thinking that before you started to talk, yep. Micah. Same. Same. Really? Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to break the chain here. <laughs> if you gotta break it, break it. Uh, I I think the the own should go to Jon Snow for for Paul revering the entire situation. Yep. And yeah. And he rides. He, that's fair. He, yeah. he warns. He warns Molestown. It's just he's 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 commanding some respect here, and I thought that. The opposition that he faced at the wall was was welcoming. I, I like that the way it transitioned in the book. It was so much more. I don't want to say it was not believable in the show, but it was just it made a lot of sense. And, and I'm, I was glad that it wasn't left out. I'm glad that we got to see him arriving. I'm glad we got to see the initial conversations, and I'm glad we got to see him talk to the person that I would have liked to see him speak to immediately at the wall out of anyone, which is Maester Eamon, who immediately jumps on the situation and is like, I need to know everything you've seen, everything you've experienced when you're well, when I've made you better, after I cauterized this flesh wound and everything is fine, we're going to have a talk about this. I just felt like um, he was trusted and he, he did what he had to do, and I don't know if another character would have been able to make it back in the way that he did. So I think he deserves that own. Nice own for Jon Snow. Yeah. Well, we got some uh, owns from our listeners now to share. Mostly from Twitter. Let's have at it. All right. Guitar Biro or is it Biro? Because is it like rhyming with Guitar Hero? It's however you say it until corrected. <laughs> okay. Guitar Biro says. There we go. Ah, uh, We got an anti-own here up first. Guitar Bureau, anti-own to the Hound for cheating the ferryman. <laughs> Owned to Castle Black because it's good to be back. Oh, there. 
I agree with that. A little bit of poetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. The Lady Ash, Owen goes to the Hound. It'd just be easier to kill Arya and move on rather than deal with her and how feisty she is. That's, true. That's possibly true. What's that money? <laughs> two parts Rye writes in. It says, two parts. <laughs> it says, own to George's double entendre. Maybe we'll even be in time for your uncle's bloody wedding. Dun, dun, dun. Susan Stacy says, uh, own for Arya. The Hound owns Arya by doing the unexpected. He's going to take her back to her uncle's bloody wedding. Ah, That's right. Folks like that quote. Mm-hmm. They picked quote? up on those things. Mm-hmm. They did. We have like smart that. listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, we got a uh, kind of joking own. I hope it's joke anyway, because <laughs> I don't want to seriously entertain this question. But it's <laughs> a question on Facebook that we got from Ra Janess Serna, who says, My own goes to the Night's Watch uniform. What if it was white and gold all along? Oh, Hashtag the dress. I see that. Oh, boy. I don't know. Yeah. Kate, what color is your dress right now? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was team I was team white and gold. Like Adam. Oh, me too. Oh, thank yeah. you, Kate. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I was also sure. team white and gold. Okay, I was actually team light blue and gold, but it definitely wasn't black. <laughs> This is all something that we can we can band together with as a nation, as a listening audience, as just a people of the earth, uh, and and come to terms with. So uh, I'm glad that we were all able to come together between episodes. So of course there are a number of ways that you can get in touch with us. Um, as Eric, well, as we all just read. Normally, I, I don't know why I said Eric. <laughs> it used to be me, Mike. It, it used, used to be to you. Be. On Twitter, be. Twitter.com/slash Game of Owens, and Facebook, Facebook.com. Slash Game of Owens. You could also email us at contact at gameofowns.com. Uh, another way you can give us feedback is, of course, on iTunes. And uh, it is the month of March now where nothing less than five stars is acceptable. It's March. The reason why we ask you to review the show and why it's so important, particularly now as we head uh, towards season five, is because there are going to be people who are going to be going on to their iTunes and they're going to be looking for something related to Game of Thrones and We'd like it if we popped up there. Yeah. We had a number of different uh, listeners leave their reviews, five stars, thankfully. Mm. Um, going back a little bit in time here, going all the way to January, Ooh. we had one from Whirling Dervish Reed. Great name. Who says that all that glitters must be goo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. In the game of owns, you laugh or you cry, you win or you try, you fall or you fly, and there's often a middle ground. Thanks to the Goo Crew for all you do. Each host has a unique perspective and insightful discussion points to contribute on books and show. I very much enjoy the challenging theories that are brought up and can't wait to see how things unfold as we move forward in the books and show. I've got four owns. One for each of you. Oh, I was like, wait, how's that going to end? Mike Uz, that's how she, or he spelled it. M-I-K-E hyphen U-H. That's how you spell it, right? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) of course. Velvety blanket voice keeps my sullied brain all warm and gooey. Eric's musical theater references and mini performances reach a special part of me. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Zach shares a sentimental love for the wolf and the hound. (laughs) And a curiosity regarding the many magical horns of Westeros. That's fitting for this episode. Yes, I do. And Kate. I'm your Huckleberry. Please keep laughing and saying all the things. That's it. <laughs> just all the things. <laughs> all the things, Kate. I'll never stop laughing. And then just really quickly, a couple of other quick reviews. We'll read some more in the next week's uh, episode uh, by Jim B. 40 who says, Goo is a great podcast for both the books and show fans. You won't be disappointed if you check them out. Uh, so thanks, Jim. thanks Jim. And then also Goose Stalker says, I look forward <laughs> to this every week. Keep it up, guys. Yeah. So yeah. we appreciate we all your reviews. Thank you. Yeah. That was very nice of you. Before we wrap up uh today's episode, I believe there is It's a, a bit of a bit of goo business, guys. A bit of goo gooey business. Yeah, goo, I've got goose. I've got some, some good news. No, it's not. It's whatever the opposite of that is. Well, it's still good news. <laughs> I I think I think it's I think it's good. Goo news. My goo my goo news is that um, life has become an uh, an obstacle in me being able to continue recording Game of Thrones, um, but it's it's all good stuff. I I just have a lot of, of crap going on, and I'm not able to dedicate as much time to this podcast as I believe it deserves. Um, and I I've I've talked to you guys about it, and you know that. I'm super sad, and um, but also kind of excited because I think that this podcast is going to 
have uh, a new life. You guys are starting season five really soon, wrapping up um, hopefully your, your chapter readings with you were talking about the Red Wedding. You're going to talk about that more next week. Oh, yeah. And I think I think that all of this is, is going to be a, a, a new opportunity for the podcast to have fresh life and blood and maybe new hosts. Who knows? We, we There's there's all kinds of opportunities there. Um, but this they, I, I feel like I've been a really, I don't know, I feel like I've been a, a really awesome like, guest host for you guys. So yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm really, I'm really smart and funny and charming uh, <laughs> and uh, have a, like, an amazing You're reading guy. the teleprompter yeah, from what we're thank supposed you, to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, I, I want everybody to know this is all this is all good and positive and we are we are all friends and everything's gonna be just fine. So just shh, my little babies, I'm gonna I'm gonna rub your little heads. We've wrapped ourselves in swaddling for the last handful of weeks, and we, we wanted to find out the best way to, to present this to all of you guys listening at home. On this podcast, we cover a series where people we love leave us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is real Game of Thrones right here. And so <laughs> sometimes we must come to terms with those leaving us, <laughs> however sad it may be. <laughs> Obviously, uh, none of none of us. Uh, we wanted to keep doing this forever, and so like uh, we we've all been the four of us working to to keep everything on track and to keep it driving forward on schedule and with the the, the sort of quality and love and care and attention of these episodes as you guys deserve. And uh, that's what we we plan to continue doing. And so right now, Kate's entering, entering a very exciting time in her life with that's the new so move exciting. and all of the new work stuff. A I'm million, just I'm really happy for you as a friend. Jobs. Like you've got me too. Me too. Mike asked yeah. me to Mike asked me to, to take a little bit longer because he planned on writing me a song. Yeah. Um, I'll have to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. Please, someone at home, write these lyrics. <laughs> We'll we'll sing them on next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, but no. Uh, starting here in a few days, you're going to be leaving to go out east to speak at a yeah. video game convention, PAX East, which mm-hmm. that's just kind of a big deal. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, kind of a big deal. And and yeah. it's just we all live in this world together. And luckily, like those characters on the show, you're you're not actually leaving us. I'll probably write in with my strongly voiced opinions and and strong <laughs> facts about Game of Thrones, so you guys won't be rid of me entirely. Yeah, and if you uh, want some extra content. The, on the Patreon chapters, I'm, I'm, there are travelings and things that are happening in the future that may be included, I'm just saying. Okay. So you haven't heard the end of, of, of everything that's happening <laughs> so far. But for uh, all, the, all the fun ideas that we have driving into um, this next season, there's going to be uh, some really great opportunities to pull in lots of voices from the community, uh, including lots of different ideas and perspectives. And uh, we're very excited to present, especially I know these spoiler episodes that I'm not going to be able to be a part of, sadly, <laughs> nope. um, on a whole different level. You so, can if you want. I, I would love to. <laughs> that would be pretty I, great. I would... so like, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> no. Yeah. The people that we've been vetting so far and speaking to to come on uh, these specials are always like to me. They're like, "How are you going to be able to edit this thing? Like, how are you gonna... <laughs> I'm like, how does everyone know this? It's it's, it's live to tape. It's yeah. pretty much. <laughs> it's good to know people are thinking about and it. I, and I know that I joked about the teleprompter earlier, but um, you know, in all seriousness, it's um, all true. You've been you've you've been a really integral part of the show, and we certainly appreciate you know all that you've done. I know the listeners do. Um, maybe minus one or two or. or- 10 or 20. Sorry. No, no, no. All the hopeful young men out there. Very excited. <laughs> it's sad, but at the same time, you know, we we all wish you the best. Thank and you. You know, we know that you'll go on to do great things. Kate, you've almost been with us for a complete calendar year now. Wow. And when we started this thing, it was like, hey, come on and 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 uh, we're friends. Come on and talk about Game of Thrones during the season. It'll be a fun time. And she liked it so much. She put a ring on it. She stayed for almost a year. So all of you guys listening at home, uh, this this beautiful person we know is Kate, one of our great friends, Yay. who was able to to lend us her vocal cords for this long of a time. Who decided to remain and push forward in this journey and and help us reach our destination during this off season. Can we all have like a collective? just moment of, of of applause chanting incantations to celebrate everything i mean seriously yeah. like, Thanks, for kate and send us your cave it 
uh, send us your favorite Kate Welch moment. Hashtag fire and Kate <laughs> over on Twitter. Reigns of Kate Smear. I should, I guess now's a bad time to tell you I'm going to start my own Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Called uh, Kate of Owns. Two sides of the same coin. This is mutiny. Kate of Owns. This is mutiny. Guys, uh, I forgot to tell you that uh, I'm also doing this podcast with Kate. Uh, it's. <laughs> No, we're, <laughs> we're still arguing about the title i say kate of Owens. zach says no i don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes next week we are going to be joined once again by catalin which will make a for a very exciting episode yeah <laughs> as well as aria she goes back to back weeks so yeah. uh her and the hound making the way their way to the twins the twins and be sure to send us in your owns you know all the ways to do so we are looking forward to uh these two chapters are going to be uh, going to be exciting. We are not far away now from the Red Wedding. So hold on to your butts. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate, uh, a couple of parting thoughts uh, before uh, you leave us here officially. Uh, number one, I want you to always remember that it's a free fucking show. Yes. <laughs> I want you guys to remember that too. If the next thing Good. you say is a Pedro Pascal impression, I swear to God, I swear to God, my Tell your father right here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your father right now. <laughs> if that's your Taxi real. diver. <laughs> I wanted to do a super cut of all your laughing moments. Maybe oh, we we'll no. put it on a Patreon episode. <laughs> oh no. Worst idea ever. Sorry, everyone in advance. So now we hold hands, arms linked, one another, fingers grasping as we head toward this oblivion. Who knows what will happen? The on season is drawing to a close. Things are becoming wild, out of control. Burning bright like a bright fire the North has ever, never, ever seen again. Who knows? Goodbye, <laughs> people. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>